Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. So let me just say it is a real honor to be here because Steve and Jane really truly are uh, some of our best friends in life, but also best friends in the ministry. And uh, there are times when pastors just need to vent about you, you know, so. (laughs) Now, they don't do that to us. We do that to them. And I can say that because, oh, by the way, we have some great friends from the harbor here. This row right here, could you guys stand up? All of you guys, these are all from Harbor City Church, and so we're grateful they're here. <clears throat> and uh, I mentioned to somebody else that I was speaking up here today, and I said, you might get some friends that come up here, and she said, well, who's at our church? And I said, some interns from Spokane. She goes, no, I'm sorry, I need to hear the interns. I can't come hear you speak. So there you go. And also, I just want to say how grateful we are for Jennifer, and for Cameron, for Heather, for Travis, Tyrell, Nick, Zane, and others who have helped us the last couple of years with our worship. Uh, you guys have been incredible, and obviously you're blessed with worship here, but it makes a huge difference to us as they come and minister, uh, not only into the presence of God, but a, a prophetic touch that comes with them, and so we're very blessed by them. And I, I just want to say also, we were at... Uh, Pastor uh, Dick Iverson's memorial uh, Friday night, and it just made me think of your founding pastors, Earl and Leanne. What a legacy that they have uh, uh, have in their lives, what they started from scratch, and how they just uh, built this building, built this church, and uh, turned it over to the family. And I just want to say I honor you, love you guys. You're great pillars in the house of God. So thank you. Okay, in our church, we, we're going to be going to Mark chapter 2, but before we go there, uh, we lift up our Bibles, smartphones, iPads, whatever you have your Bible on, and we make a prayer declaration uh, every week. So if you'll say this with me, this is my Bible, God's holy word. This book is alive and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions. But this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all that says I can do. I can be all that says I can be. And I can have all that says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can leave here changed by the power of of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. How many believe the Spirit of God is here? He's here to touch us today. He's here to change us today. He's here to speak a living word to your life and your situation. Mark chapter 2 is a familiar story that all of us know, verses 1 through 12. It goes like this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered and gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, 
They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat, some translations say stretcher, the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's, a, he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in, in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? This is one of the reasons why I love Jesus. Because he responds to the imaginary argument that they're having in their minds. And before they can even verbalize it, he shuts down the argument. You know, he, he, he says to them, I know what you're thinking, even though, I, I don't know, have you ever been around somebody who says, I know what you're thinking, but they don't have a clue? But he knew exactly what they're thinking, which means sometimes when you're thinking, they got a new car, why didn't I get one? Or, why is God blessing that church and not my church? You know, you can fool a lot of people, but you can't fool God. So, we, and we play that game all the time, but God knows the motivations of our thoughts. So he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. He got up, took up his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Isn't this an amazing story? I wish every week people would walk into church and go, I've never seen anything like this. And so I want to focus on one verse, basically, verse 2, because it caught my attention as I was praying what to speak to you guys. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. So the good news this morning is when Jesus is in the house, there's always another door. I want to talk to you about doors to your destiny this morning. And so why don't you turn to your neighbor and just say to them, when Jesus is in the house, there's always another door. All right. So doors have spiritual significance in all of our lives. Doors are mentioned all the way through scripture. In fact, there are 400 references about that uh, towards doors in the Bible and the significance they plan or play out in our lives. I don't think most of us think about doors. I know I don't. I just walked through those doors today, didn't think anything about it. So I thought this week I would count up the doors in our house. In our house, we have 26 doors, and I was surprised by how many doors were in our house. And there are many different doors, front doors, back doors, garage doors. We have a side door that's on the front of our house that we never use because it goes into the garage and it's blocked off by junk. So sliding doors, pocket doors, Dutch doors, French doors, attic doors, shower doors, trap doors, and squeaky doors. (laughs) Doors can be an entry and doors can be an exit. In the Bible, a door can represent the door of salvation or the passageway to discipleship. It can represent the the service door to ministry or to the outside door to your mission in life. 
It can be the access door to prayer or the door to worship to the Holy of Holies. It can be the door of fellowship when you open your house to other people. Then there are secret doors of faith. And uh, they are there, but you can't see them. You have to take some initiative because you can't see them. I have a little story. How many have ever been to an escape room? We went to an escape room in in Olympia here with our staff so we could build team. So we ended up with eight of us in this escape room up here. And uh, I'm, I'm looking around and I lift up this lampshade and all of a sudden this bookcase opened. I was just looking for anything. And I opened this secret door by accident. Here's a picture of a secret door. I, I mean, wouldn't you just like to have one of those in your house? You think that's my fireplace? No, that's my, that's my man room right there, you know. So anyway, along those lines, there are secret doors. I believe God's always wanting to show us doors to our destiny, but we often miss them, not because there's so much secret, but because God wants to seek us to seek after him to find those doors. So let me give you some doors to destiny. Some of the doors in this, this passage or this story, is, they're obvious, and then some are what I would say are not so obvious. The first door is the door of disappointment. These five guys come to the front door, and there's no way to get in. The four guys carrying their friend could have said something like this. We'll call him Stretch. (laughs) Since there's a stretcher, you know, Stretch, okay. We could have called him Matt, because there's a Matt, but we'll we'll choose Stretch, all right? So Stretch, Stretch, they could have said, sorry, Stretch. You know what? There's no room to get in. It's not God's will for you to be healed today. Nobody cares that you're here. If they did, they'd move out of the way and let us let you in, but they don't care. It must not be God's will for you to get healed today. Now, these four guys carrying Stretch were probably ready to turn around, like I said, and and leave. But I think Stretch, see, nobody talks about Stretch. But I think Stretch said, hey, wait a second, guys. I I came here to get healed. We're not, we came here to meet Jesus. And guess what? Jesus is behind that door. And because Jesus is beyond that door, I'm not leaving here, and don't you leave me here. We didn't come here to give up. So write this down. Some of life's greatest opportunities are not always obvious. It's like a secret, but it's there. I asked Lois this question uh, a couple times this week. I thought maybe she'd change it, but she didn't. I said, when, you fir- when did you first notice me and think that I might be someone you'd be interested in? She said, I never really did notice you. It was my friend that noticed you, and she thought I should get to know you. Some of life's opportunities are not always obvious. So the question would be, when did I notice Lois? Immediately. As soon as I saw her, I knew that she was the one for me. I was definitely attracted to her spirit. So when I saw her, I knew she she was a great opportunity. She didn't realize there was an S on this chest. She didn't realize, she didn't realize that her Superman had come into her life looking for Lois Lane Cotton and to rescue her from all the other men that were chasing after her. The Superman was out to help her find her destiny and her call, and it wasn't obvious to her because life's opportunities are not always obvious. Now, this is scriptural principle. It's all the way through scripture. Like Moses called to deliver a nation 
and an entire people group. And he asked God, what will you give me as a sign? And God says, give me the stick that you're holding in your hand. He had been holding it all along and didn't know that God was going to use something that was obvious and common to bring deliverance to other people. See, God disguises calling as common. And God wraps calling in diapers and allows the Savior of the world to be born in a barn. And many of the people of the world missed it because some of life's opportunities are not always obvious. God calls Gideon a mighty warrior, and he's hiding in a wine press. Why would God hide a mighty calling in such a wimpy-looking man? Well, because Superman doesn't always look like Superman. Sometimes he's wearing a baggy T-shirt. Most of the time, God hides calling in earthen vessels that have precious value, but others don't see it, but God does. And I know I'm preaching to someone this morning, maybe many of you, where you've thought it's not obvious. I I felt a call in my life, but no one else sees it, and I don't even see it myself. But I want you to know God sees it, and he hasn't messed up. He hasn't forgotten you. He's got a call on your life. You know, sometimes he shows up in the form of a mustard seed. And the mustard seed has all the genetic code of the mustard tree. But according to the exterior, there's nothing in the seed to associate with the tree. And it might be what God is doing in your life is not obvious, but that doesn't mean that there's no opportunity. See, when Jesus is behind the door, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible when Jesus is behind the door. Opportunities are often hidden, but after the fact, they seem obvious. And then you'll have people say, well, I knew that. I knew that call was on your life. Yeah, well, why didn't you tell me before the door, you know? When Jesus wants to do something through your life, no season, no person, no human limitation can stop your call. When you stand at the door of disappointment and all you see is impossibility, you might just miss your greatest opportunity. We forget resurrection came wrapped in death. And death came God's greatest opportunity to redeem you and me. Some of life's greatest opportunities are not always obvious. And the door of disappointment can turn into divine appointment if you're looking for it. Don't ever let disappointment determine your direction. See, I think the guy on the stretcher was saying, it ain't over, guys. It ain't over yet. A door of divine appointment is here somewhere. We need to start looking. And don't let your disappointment cause you to give up on your divine appointment. So here's five guys, not four, five. We often think there's just these four guys with faith. I think the guy on the stretcher said, I want to be there. I've heard about this, Jesus. I think he had great faith, and I think they had such high hopes. Their hopes were through the roof. That's a a little pun. (laughs) So this guy stretches, learned to deal with disappointment. See, life has been a disappointment. He can't walk. He can't dance. He can't do what other people do. But his buddies have brought him this far. And Stretch and his four buddies start saying to each other, maybe Stretch is right. Maybe there is more. We believe there might be another way. So one of the guys, we'll call him Bubba. Bubba starts looking around, and Bubba walks to the, to the back of the house, and he realized, well, that door, the back door's crammed too. There's no way to get in there. But he notices something. So he comes back to his other three buddies. We'll call him 
Billy Bob, <laughs> Rufus, we'll call the other guy Rufus, and Cletus, all right? Well, there you go. So he walks up to his buddies and he says, hey guys, come here. They have to walk over away from Stretch because Stretch probably wouldn't like what they're going to do with Stretch. So they walk, he said, guys, and they have this little huddle. Guys, I noticed there's no security cameras in the back. <laughs> and I'm thinking, maybe we should go higher. And one of the guys, are you saying to go through the roof? And, and Bubba goes, that's right. They don't call me Bubba for nothing. Yeah. So what if we go up? Well, Stretch doesn't hear that they're going to go up, which brings us to the next door. Whenever you meet the door of disappointment, the next door is the door of decision. In the Bible, doors are metaphors for the choices we make in everyday life. That's what our choices, why our choices, not our circumstances, determine our destiny more than anything else. Let me say that again. Our, Our choices, not our circumstances, determine our destiny more than anything else. So every door you and I walk by, we have a choice. Am I going to walk through it or not? And you learn pretty early in life, there are some doors you should walk through, some doors you shouldn't, and some doors you can't walk through. But every time we see a door, we make a decision. You either walk through it or you don't. So on your notes, write this down. My destiny will be shaped by which doors I walk past, which doors I walk through, and which doors God calls me to make. Now, from what I understand, I was talking to Earl, Pastor Earl, just a little earlier. This store wasn't started by somebody giving millions of dollars. This church was started by faith. This church was started by someone saying, I believe God told me to start a church in my local area where I was raised, and he did it. And sometimes, one of the greatest things that can happen to you and me is to be turned away at the front door. Sometimes the greatest thing for you to to happen to you is to be kicked out the door. I've had that happen to me. But here's the third door. It leads you to the door of faith. This is not the normal door. This is not a, a door for normal people, for normal churches. This is not for people who don't like the church because <clears throat> the Wi-Fi is too slow or worship is a little loud or a little long or whatever it might be or too short. No, this door is for people who have determined, I know Jesus is behind the door and I'm going to get there no matter what it takes. Some of the best things in our lives is to be turned away from the door. Now, sometimes we have this idea of what I call foo-foo faith, you know, (laughs) something we fall back on, but that's not what the book of Mark is about. Mark, the book of Mark is a whole different ballgame. Faith is mentioned four times in this book, and it's always mentioned as an action, not just an attitude. Some people say, let's go get them, but they have no intention of doing anything about it. But faith to Mark is something you can see. Faith is actually something you see in response to a hope that can't be seen. Faith is the substance of things you hope for and the evidence of things not seen. So it's something you can see in response to hope you can't see. This is a door of faith. And it's, how do we know that? Verse 5, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven. How did he see their faith? 
by their actions. It's always by actions. These guys are not giving up, and I believe it was all five of them. And five is the, five is the number of grace. And I just want to say this. The door of faith, if you don't give up, will always turn in to the door of grace. Always. So those boys, they weren't going home. They came to meet with Jesus, and now their, their level of faith has risen, and the door of faith always takes faith, and that takes us to the next step, which is the door of... Well, let me... Before I go there, let me just... I, I saw this. Matthew says something in this story that, that Mark doesn't say, and maybe you don't know this, but the book of Mark, even though it was penned by Mark, it was dictated to Mark by Peter. So Matthew says something in Matthew 9 too that Peter doesn't say or that, that Mark, or he leaves out what Mark says. Matthew 9 verse 2 says this, some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. What did Matthew leave out? No. He left out the fact that they ripped off this guy's roof. (laughs) Why? I'll tell you why. Because scholars believe that the house Jesus was preaching in was Peter's house. So when Peter's dictating this thing, he's, he's remembering that his roof got ripped off. And Matthew doesn't care. It's like, oh, Jesus showed up, and these guys dropped the guy down. Peter's gone, and these guys ripped off this roof, and they dug through the thing. It was my roof. (laughs) So they're digging through the tiles, and they start to lower this guy down, and they drop stretch. I think they probably ran out of rope about the last foot, and they just (laughs) drop stretch right there. And uh, Jesus says, I like it, boys. That's, That's what I... That's what I did. I came down through your dirt, through your shame, through your sin. I like it, boys. And by the way, are you ready and willing to get dirty for God? Or is your manicure too important? Sometimes you got to give up the manicure to get the miracle. So Rufus and Bubba, Billy, Bob, and Cletus, they're all, they're all looking. They're all looking at from the roof. And Jesus leans down and looks at Stretch and says, your sons are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And Billy Bob looks at his three buddies and says, what did he say? Well, Rufus says, it sounds like he said something about sin. And Billy Bob says, well, ain't that great? I'm glad he can forgive Stretch's sins, but do you think he can fix his legs while he's at it? I mean, that's how you're feeling. And so, see, they didn't bring this man before Jesus to get him forgiven. They brought him before Jesus to get him healed. So here's a question. What do you do when God bypasses what you want to give you what you need? See, the most obvious thing to do is to heal the man. But when it comes to Jesus, he often works from the inside out. So when he changes the outside situation, you'll be ready to receive it because what needed to be done on the inside, you're ready for it now to handle the outside. In the Jewish mindset, suffering and sin went together. So it was often thought if you were suffering, it was because of your sin. But Jesus dispels all that in John 9. when the blind man is not blind because of sin. He's just blind so the glory of God might be revealed through his life. So you cannot always connect situations with behavior. Now, Jesus is saying here, before I do anything for you, Stretch, I want to do something in you. 
Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's to know God is working even when I don't see it in the outward appearance. I just want you to know, some of you this morning, I believe, have been stuck at the door of disappointment. And I want you to know that God's doing something whether you see it or not. And that happened in my life many, many times over the years. So you just need to know this, that, that God's working. And you know what else? I think God, that stretch had four friends. Four friends, they, whatever happened to them, whatever ignited their, ignited their faith, they believed for stretch what stretch couldn't do for himself. And I'm so grateful for a wife and for friends like Steve and Jane and others that when I've had days of bad faith or no faith, they've had faith. And, our, and, and when my wife has had days of no faith, I have great faith. We're just praying that we don't have bad days of faith the same day. <laughs> so do you have the right four in your life? Or do you have the wrong four? Would your friends just drop you off at the door and say, good luck, I hope you make it? Or would they be willing to pay the price to see it happens? Because thank God for friends in my life that have paid the price to make sure I can make it. So he's still on the stretcher. Now besides these five guys, and, and this is some real key here. Besides these five guys, there are, there, this is a key to the passage. You can write this down, door number four, the door of opposition. I want you to hear this and pay close attention because there's doubters, there's haters, there's mockers, and I hope this will help you in the way you think uh, opposition or what you think opposition is, which can be translated as rejection, resentment, bitterness in life, just wrong circumstances. When Jesus saw that what the friends had done for their friend's stretch, he forgave the man. But when Jesus heard the thoughts, I want you to hear this. When he heard the thoughts of the doubters, the critics, and the haters, it was their thoughts that got the man healed. See, what his friends did got him forgiven. What the haters thought got him healed. If there had been no opposition, there might not have been a healing that day. Sometimes your opposition is the door to your healing. Has anyone ever doubted you? Has anyone ever walked away from you? Has anyone ever stopped supporting you? Has anyone betrayed you? Did anyone walk away when you disagreed on things, when they got heated? Well, today, it's time to thank God for the critics and the opposition on our lives because God uses them in a greater way than we can imagine. Paul had open doors with great opposition. And he said, God has opened a great and effective door. And the reason I know it is because of those who oppose me. Yeah. I, and I find that sometimes some of the people who oppose us the most are the ones who are supposedly the most religious. Yeah. Christians are the first ones to say, we have enough churches. We don't need any more churches. Yeah. Listen, we heard this week that there's upon Billions of people who don't know Jesus Christ. And there's more churches closing than there are opening in the United States. We need more. But people will say, we've got enough now. Well, I found in Grace Harbor where we're at, if every church was full 24-7, there would still be 55,000 people that could not get in church. We have just a little over 70,000 people. So you need to understand, if, if there were no haters for stretch, 
he wouldn't have been healed. If there was no weakness, you wouldn't be made strong. If there was no resistance, you wouldn't be so resilient because the biggest battles are reserved for people who God has put his hand upon and that he might put a deposit in. And he's saying, listen, I want you to know that your call will always come with opposition. It can be family. It can be close friends, whatever it might be. You need to know, did God speak to me? And they cannot be defeated because if God opens the door, no man can shut it. The opposition is the door of opportunity for you. God uses the enemy, and what he meant for evil, God will turn it for good. All right? So here's a question. What is God using in your life right now that you're trying to get away from? Number five, the door of obedience. This is a kind of door where you have to trust God in an impossible situation. This door is no longer about you anymore. It's not about your dysfunction. It's not about your limitations. It's not about how big or little things are. This is way bigger than you are. It's all about Jesus and his presence. And Jesus said, I want to do what you can't do in your life. And the proof that I'm going to do it is my presence in your life. And I will enable you to do something practical that will awe everybody. So God requires something practical for those who are standing there in opposition. And they're all having these thoughts. And Jesus is thinking, I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to show you the proof of my presence. And I'm going to enable this guy to do something very practical. So he says to Stretch, get up and take the thing which they lowered you down on. The thing you've been, been carried on all of your life. What you came in on, you are going to go out with. But instead of it holding you, you will be holding it. This man came in through the roof. Listen to this. But he left through the very same door that wouldn't let him in. And what is the Holy Spirit saying to us today is this. If you're willing to get up, you can get up. If you're willing to get up, the Holy Spirit would say, I'm here to help you get up. If you're willing to forgive, by God's power, you can forgive. I'm not saying that the, the matter, the stretcher will go away. I'm saying you don't have to spend the rest of your life lying down on it, blaming others for your condition. You can get up in front of all these people that are watching you right now. This is where it took great faith against the opposition because he knew they were all, they were upset with him for interrupting the service. This crowd was not cheering him on. It wasn't like, like us when we took our first baby steps, and you take your baby and say, oh, look at the baby. He took his first steps. That's so awesome. No, they were like, this guy ain't going to walk. So when he gets up and he takes his first steps with no crowd cheering him on, he has to do it in the face of conflict. He has to do it in the face of doubt. He has to do it in the face of critics, in the presence of those who didn't even want him there. And I wonder if today, in spite of the opposition of the of people around you, in spite of different ones, the critics, will you get up? Will you believe God for your miracle? There are some of you about to become a door for people to see Jesus through your life. So I want you to see something. There's, there's a door here that everybody forgets to mention. It's Jesus. This is the next door. Jesus is the door of all doors. So will you become a door when God wants to show you off to other people? Because he picks somebody with an issue and he chooses to show others who he is through somebody's weaknesses. 
Listen, God's picking people today who have issues because he shows off his glory to people who says, it could never happen. It can't happen. We had people say, you know, the church would never make it in Grace Harbor. What are you thinking? And I remember the first few years, we started with 50 people in a prayer meeting. And, and I was thinking, God, I don't even know what I'm doing here. My wife would say, honey, he's going to do something great. Honey, something good's going to happen. I'm thinking, well, he better because <laughs> there's no hope for this thing. But each time, and for seven years, we didn't have a building. We didn't know what we were going to do. Every year, they kept telling us, we're going to kick you out. And uh, instead, God opened the door. And what he did is he gave us a building, 25,000 square feet, a school that was worth $1.2 million, and we got it for $300,000 cash. Come on, God opens doors. Your obedience will open doors for others to believe, which brings us to door number, did I give you door number six yet? The door of revelation. People were not amazed when the roof came up. They, they weren't amazed when Jesus was preaching. They were amazed when the man got up off the stretcher, off the mat. They were amazed by the man's demonstration of faith. He's not your average door. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the door of all doors. And when you've done all that you can do and tried every possibility, I just want you to know, then others will look back and say, only God could do yes, this. Sir. That's what they look at. Only God could do this. But God has called this church to be like those four men, I believe, with all my heart. And that fifth man, the stretch. And I believe God's saying to you guys today, listen, this church is to be called a door of revelation. A door where people walk in and all of a sudden their eyes are open to the presence of God, to the goodness of God. And I, I just want you to know, John 10, 9 says, I am the door. That's what he says. So if religion has locked you out, Come on in. That's what I see you guys saying. If religion's locked you out, come on in. If your sin has kept you out, come on in. Because I am the door, and there's nothing that's impossible for me. Whatever door's shut on you, I can open it. So don't stay paralyzed another day. All I'm asking you to do is to walk through the door, and I'm asking you today not to be perfect, but I do expect you to progress. And don't feel sorry for yourselves. Now, so Jesus says, I am the door, and when I open the door, it's not a mistake. No sickness, no situation, nothing can keep, or a stone rolled across the entrance can keep me from coming into your life and opening the door that should be door, uh, open. So I don't know where I'm at on doors, Jesus, the door. I, I, okay, the last one. This is not on your notes. I'll write this down. The open door. The open door. Today, many of you are standing in an open door, but it doesn't look obvious because some of you are looking for an escape room instead of an open door that leads to your destiny. Here are your doors that lead to your destiny. They're all the doors that are in this story, doors of disappointment, doors of opposition, but then they turn into doors of obedience, doors of revelation. They're doors to your destiny. And what we want oftentimes is we want the miracle before God's able to do the work within. So we're ready to do the work from without. So let's stand up. So the question today that I want to ask you is, and then Steve, Pastor Steve will come up and dismiss us, but I just want to know which door are you choosing today? Which door are you standing at 
today? Are you standing at the door of disappointment? Things just haven't gone the way you thought they should go. I've been there. I know what it's like. And I wonder, God, how are you going to turn this thing? How are you going to change it? But God always has an appointed door. And it will look like a secret door. But it's there. You just got to look for it. So every head bowed, every eye closed. Which door are you standing at? If you're standing at the door of disappointment today, I'm here to tell you, God wants to heal you. He wants your heart to be delivered. Not worry about all the critics, not worried about, I'm telling you, I, I believe I'm, I'm here as one of the men that carried stretch in. God's here. There's another way. He's got a door for you. When you stand at the door of disappointment, you can either, don't let it choose your direction. Let it be a divine appointment. And if that's you, uh, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm asking, if that's you, raise your hand. We don't care what anybody else thinks. If you're standing at that disappoint, door of disappointment, raise your hand and say, that's me. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, you can put them down. I'm going to pray. God, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will take and destruct the door of disappointment from off their lives. I'm praying, God, today the door of divine appointment will come upon this church. I'm asking, God, that this door will be taken off and open doors will start coming more and more. I'm asking, God, for this church to shrug off all the hurt, all the pain, all the things that have come on their lives. Lord, we pray today the door of opposition would be gone. I know the enemy has come to try to kill, steal, and destroy this place. So today, we ask you, God, to destroy the opposition. And the way you do that, Lord, is by choosing people that no one else would expect. But Lord, I believe this church has a mandate from you to reach Lacey for your glory. And we pray, Lord, the opposition would be turned and your glory would come back on this place. And I know it's already here, but Lord, in a way that they have not seen in a long time, I'm praying for hope, encouragement, blessing, faith to arise in this place. Thank you, Lord. We believe you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Now, with every head still bowed and every eye closed, I... I always do this, whether you're saved or not saved, I do believe that there should be an opportunity every time for people to come to know Christ. So if you don't know Jesus today, or maybe you've been walking away from the Lord for a long time, and you are not sure if you died today, you'd be with the Lord, I'm asking you right now to just raise your hand and say, that's me, I need Jesus as my Savior. Anyone here like that? If you are, raise your hand high so I can see it. Don't keep it down, raise it high. Thank you, I see that one. Anyone else? Okay, here's what we do at our church. And if you'll do this with me, we all pray this prayer together, and then I'd love to meet that person who raised their hand, and so would Pastor Steve and Jane. But let's pray this prayer together. Say it with me. Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you gave your son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, 
to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes. Come into my life. Be my Savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my King. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give that person a big hand this morning. All right. God bless you guys. What an honor to be here. Love you. I believe it for great things ahead. God bless. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 